With the example of Father Capon, we are given a model of how to be hope to a hopeless world, to be light to a dark world, to be so filled with joy that people desire to be around us. There's an urgency in the world right now. I want to enter the mission territory. In fact, the Lord has called all of us into this battle for souls. He's not given anybody a pass on that. Welcome to the Foxhole. Welcome, everyone. This is Jason Searle. And on behalf of Capon's Men, we thank you for joining us in the Foxhole. Our podcast helps carry on the legacy of the most highly decorated chaplain in United States Army history, servant of God, Father Emil Capon, who gave his life serving his men on the battlefields and in the prisoner of war camps of Korea. We're halfway through our eight-part Foxhole series entitled The Battle. Previously, we set the stage for the battle. We've seen the battle for our identity, as well as the battle for marriage. This week, we find ourselves engaged in the battle for balance and order. We're humbled to be joined by a great priest from the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, Father Stephen Felicia. Father Stephen was born and raised in Fort Wayne. Upon graduating high school, he entered the United States Military Academy in 2004. He graduated in 2008 and was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army as a field artillery officer. He was attached to an airborne unit and served two deployments in Afghanistan. He was honorably discharged in 2013 and was accepted into Mount St. Mary Seminary in Maryland. He is ordained a priest on June 6, 2020, and serves as an associate pastor at St. Elizabeth Van Seton in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Father Stephen also hosts his own podcast titled Deus Volt as a means to defend Christendom. We at Capon's Men and Rekindle the Fire have a deep and abiding respect for those in the profession of arms, and we have a special gratitude for our guests who have served our nation in uniform. We're blessed today to have Father Stephen, who fought along our bravest, to share his perspectives on our spiritual battle, the battle for balance. Joe's going to lead us with a prayer, and with this, it's an honor to introduce and welcome Father Stephen and Joe. Welcome, brothers, and thanks for joining us in the foxhole. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. Welcome, friends, to the battle. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you to persevere through this series, praying for you to access the many tools you have to ensure victory, and praying for my holy conversation today with Father Stephen. We've also enlisted the Nashville Dominicans to pray for you and your family each week of this series. So be at peace, my friends, but also remain alert and be vigilant. With that said, let us begin. Welcome to the Foxhole, Father Stephen. Thanks, Joe. It's, that was a humbling introduction. Holy smokes, you guys lay it on thick. <laughs> That's right. So I'm going to jump right in with you and ask you, the, the upcoming gospel is from John 1, mm-hmm. um, and it's, I'd love some context for the listeners for what it is Jesus is doing and um, kind of the, the, just a quick summary of the gospel for those listening. Sure. So the gospel will be the uh, cleansing of the temple. It's actually in John chapter 2. And it's very interesting because in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
this passage takes place at the end of Jesus' ministry. This one actually takes place right at the beginning. So the miracle at the wedding feast of Cana has taken place. Jesus is in Capernaum for a couple of days, and then he goes off to Jerusalem for the Passover, the first Passover in his uh, earthly ministry, his public earthly ministry. And so a lot of people argue uh, back and forth. They say, well, John's just moving it up here for theological purposes. But actually, the church fathers, a lot of them were pretty convinced that he did this. Jesus didn't cleanse the temple once. He did this a couple of times. And so the initial problem wasn't solved the first time he did it. And so what you're reading in the Gospel of John seems to be, and again, this is a theological opinion, but it's, it's you know, worthy of belief because the uh, church fathers thought so, is that you're reading of the first time he goes into the temple, he finds, uh, they're, they're getting ready for Passover, so they're selling all kinds of animals for sacrifice. All the faithful Jews are coming into Jerusalem, and he finds the money changers, and they're exchanging Caesar's coin, which has his face, his image on it, which is taken to be idol worship for Jewish coin so that they can properly trade without, you know, defiling themselves before the, fa- the Passover. And as is likely happening is they're cheating him. And Jesus just goes off the chain and he makes a, a whip of cords and he starts driving out the money changers and he overturns these tables. You can just sort of see it. It's very theatrical in your mind as these coins just go scattering across this beautiful, this beautiful wonder of the world uh, in its courtyards. And he starts running all the animals out, and it must have been just absolute chaos. He probably also actually stops temple sacrifices. The uh, priests try and figure out what is going on. And his disciples, remember the line is, Jesus Christ is basically you know, yelling at him, get everything out of here. Take it out of my father's house. You've turned it into a marketplace. In other words, he's calling them out on the sin of greed. And his disciples remember the line, zeal for your house will consume me. They'll remember this after uh, his death and resurrection. And the Jews, of course, they come forward, the, the, the temple priests, and they say, what, you know, who are you? What authority do you have? What sign can you show us for doing this? And he just stares them down, and he gives them one heck of an ultimatum. He says, you destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. It's this incredible, already these battle lines are being drawn between him and this corrupt caste. Uh, that, that's seeking to control, that's really interested in money, but seeking to control the religious experience of people. And, and like, everybody catches their breath. And then he, he goes out, and they don't stop him, and he begins to work other signs and wonders in Jerusalem. And the ministry has begun, and people are coming to believe. But even then, he's very careful around the people at the end of that passage. It references the fact that many came to believe, but he wouldn't trust them, trust himself to them because he understood human nature. One, of course, affirming the fact that Jesus is both fully divine and also fully man, and that two people were sort of looking for this earthly king, this earthly Messiah who would bring, you know, utopia, paradise in this life, and he's not about to be tempted by that. He's, he's got bigger fish to fry than just building earthly utopia. He's about saving souls for all eternity, and so he doesn't give in to these, these potential, you know, uh, sycophants for lack of a better term. Anyways, that's, that's the passage. Now, I, Father, that is about as good as we're going to get a description. That was impressive. <laughs> and I, I actually, even in the midst of it, I realized my own uh, handwriting was so poor. I, re- I said John chapter 1, so thank you for that, too, because oh, I no, wouldn't want to send people to the wrong place. But I think nearby. For, those listening, for, the, for those listening right now, though, it's clear that the temple itself was out of balance. Mm-hmm. And that Jason even alluded to order and balance. 
Mm-hmm. And I think most of us would agree that the modern man lives in a world um, that at least feels like it's out of balance. So h- how would you describe that in the modern sense for, for men who are tuned into the podcast today? Well, I mean, that's an interesting point. The so a person, so we sometimes talk about balance in our own lives, and normally when we, <clears throat> excuse me, normally when we say that, I find, from my own weak human standpoint, that what I'm looking for is just to sort of ease off of my sins a little bit. I secretly want to keep them, but I want to pretend that I'm good. And, <laughs> and so I, I say, well, you know, this Lent I'll give up chocolate or something, and that'll be sort of an adequate penance or... Or, or maybe I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Yeah, maybe I'll get up a little bit earlier and that sort of thing. What I find is that we're radically out of balance. And so, for instance, I mean, it, it's no secret. And again, I, I, I hate to, to jump right in, but that's what you've asked for. Like, pornography is a huge, huge, huge unbalancing impact on the world today, especially in, in modern America where it can be flooded right into your phone. You can carry around pornography basically in the comfort and secrecy of your own pocket. And you can pull it out whenever you want it. Um, that's massively out of balance for the human being, especially for men. And never before has mankind been able to keep a harem in his own pocket. Normally you had to be a sultan or a king or something. And only he could enjoy this really terrible sin. Well, now it's for everyone. The... Uh, and again, in, back in the day, you would see the imbalance that would create in sultans and kings and how they would easily fall into all kinds of tyranny and sin. One sin begets another. Okay. That's unbalanced. The, the real human being is, is virtuous. And virtuous, virtue is a mean. It's a balance between two extremes. And through that is, lies the path of heaven. And in fact, if you want to go back to the Bible passage we just read, to the scripture. Jesus normally doesn't act per se like this. He's, he's not a radical out there to, you know, overturn a, a, apparent societal norms. But he does it when he's encountered an extreme. And so he counters it violently, so to speak. Not that he's, he's seeking armed revolution, but he's like, this has to stop right now. And that in, say, again, from the standpoint of pornography. And again, and you can find this imbalance everywhere. It couldn't you could look at it as just like social media consumption. Holy smokes, has that gotten out of control. Uh, holy smokes, has that become like the massive way to feed your ego. Or you can pick any other sort of thing. Again, money's always been, <laughs> probably always will be till our good Lord comes back. This massive distracting thing. Well, you need to balance it out. You need to toss sort of these sins to the side. And just as, again, I return to that zeal aspect. It's not something that we can just sort of pare down. Again, the devil likes you to think of balance as something like, well, you know, you just back off just a little bit. And now you're balanced. You know, there was nothing really wrong with you to begin with. And now, now you're just on more of an even keel. And that's not what this is. It is that, again, it, it's, it's the voice of Christ that says, if, you're sin, if your hand causes you to sin, you cut it off. You know, you have to restore health to the body. And if one limb's going gangrene, it's got to go, or it'll kill the rest of you. There will be no balance. And if you want to return to a balanced state of life, if you want to become the virtuous man, you must be zealous for the Lord. You must be, these are serious sins. I'm not just dealing with venial. I'm dealing with mortal. And that means my life's at stake. And so there is that sort of extreme against extreme to bring man back to the middle. Justice is balanced. And what is owed to God is, is all fealty and loyalty. 
And again, and he makes it easy on us, too, when he grants us his mercy and his love. Father Stephen, this is this. I appreciate you jumping right in. Like I think sometimes we we sugarcoat it and we talk around it, and folks are uncomfortable with it. Um, and and speaking of that, Jason brought up the fact that you went to you were at West Point as, as yeah. an officer, I think, in the Army. And I think there's that life is certainly built around discipline and order. And I think there's a lot for us to learn in that as Christian men. So how have you used that to teach Christian men how to stay balanced and ordered and disciplined? Uh, maybe using some of that training and maybe just what you know and have learned um, since you've been ordained, which is not a long time. No, so let's been, talk a little bit about that. Been a, just over a year now, I guess. The um, Okay, so, no, it's been less than a year. Ah. Discipline. So, again, in, in the academy, it's, again, it's funny to talk about extremes when you're trying to talk about balance, but I find we have to if, if we want to actually live a balanced life. So, a zero day, the reception day, I showed up, and again, they gave me 30 seconds to say goodbye to my family. It wasn't like an ordinary college reception. They gave me 30 seconds to say goodbye to my folks. Uh, they took my bag, uh, then they took my hair, and then they took my name, and they took my ability to communicate. And they said, you only have four responses now. And what were they doing? It was radical discipline. Can you tolerate the extreme? And in that, I was strengthened. In that, I learned that First of all, these things aren't going to kill me. Second of all, they are teaching me how to be disciplined. Uh, three, what is really important. And then in the midst of this, I'm also learning things like teamwork and camaraderie and, yeah, and, and how, to, how to place the mission first without losing or letting your comrades slide behind you. It was an incredible, incredible experience. Uh, and this goes on to a greater or lesser extent for four years. Most of the hard stuff's right at the beginning, plea beer. Okay, fine. After plea beer, you have made great gains in, in what you've learned about yourself, in what the human being is capable of doing, in your physicality, and even in, in your mental and spiritual life. And again, a lot of people let that last one drop. It's actually the most important one. But, but you've learned that you have so much more room to grow and that you've made gains, and praise God for it. How do you keep those? Because, and you see this, I saw it. Again, we started out, oh gosh, I think we had 1,200 guys when we went in, and it was down to like 990 was my graduating class, I think. And so what happened? Well, guys, first of all, some people just wouldn't tolerate the extremes, and so they left. Fine. Then there are those who make the gains, but then they let it go. Why? Because you have to be disciplined and structured. You have to lead a balanced life. You want to mean you want to still be strong. You still want to be physically adept and capable of doing your work. You're going to have to exercise on a regular basis. Now, again, not everyone is called to be soldiers and, and that sort of thing. So, your exercise level may vary, but you do need it because, again, God has given you a physical body. I mean, that's also in Second John or in the second chapter of John here. You know. The body, he was speaking of the temple of his body. God has given you this body. You must maintain it for his glory. What is more, your parents invested in you. Holy smokes, guy, take care of yourself. Okay. And second, then, is the mental. You have to read. You have to study. I mean, for, for too long, we, we just sort of, well, that's, you know, the priests or the teachers or the experts sort of thing. And God help them because they just live in the extreme, or they can. 
And, oh gosh, I'm about to talk about Nietzsche here. Not that I recommend studying Nietzsche, but he has this reference in Thus Spoke Zarathustra of a, um, Zarathustra goes down the hill and he encounters this crowd that's all gathered around the expert. And the expert's a very tiny little man, like, like almost insectile in size. He's got this massive ear that everybody looks at. He's out of balance. He's out of proportion. And he says, that's what, you know, these experts are like. These are what these scholars are like. And they don't, they're not fully incorporating who they are into, or, or what they know, rather, into themselves. They're all show, and they're not living. They've, they've shrunken themselves as men. You have to be open to knowledge, as St. Paul says, and you test everything, and you keep what's good. But there it is again. You have to have built-in study for your own mentality, uh, for your own growth. Otherwise, it's like a muscle. You atrophy, and, and then you won't be in balance. You will be weak. And maybe those parts of you that are at extremes will make you fall over. And, and that's just awful. Okay. And then there's obviously the spiritual. People come to pieces when they are without God. It, it's just the nature of things. Pagan societies were horrible because they weren't able to fully access the grace of God. Uh, again, Christendom's not without... I'm also a bit of a minor historian. I beg pardon. It's not without its problems, of course. But again... Like people try, like saints flow out of the Middle Ages. Why? Because they know what's truly important. Again, and as, as modern society forgets that, we start to drift and we start to get unbalanced. Whereas if God is actually at the center of your life, everything else falls into proper place around that. He'll perfectly balance you out. Now, again, that doesn't mean it won't hurt. That won't mean that you don't have to try and be disciplined. You must always cooperate with the grace of God. But it's like having like that big weight in the center of a beam that's trying to balance itself. And God is perfect. And so you've got this perfect weight at the center of this beam that's, say, you know, sitting on top of a pyramid point. And that's what holds you steady. And the wind starts to blow you and you hold tight to that weight that is God. And everything's going to be okay, kid. What he doesn't want you doing is running out to one of those edges. You just stay with him in the center. And he takes care of it for you. Anyways, so, so again, like from my, my extreme experiences, and again, I'm not saying like West Point per se is, is a special forces school. Uh, it can be the gateway to that. But, but from that extreme, you learn just how, how far life can go, where exactly you want to be so that you can be strong enough that if you start to head to those extremes, you can find yourself back in the center. And that speaks to men. Men like challenge. Men like to be, be told what's up straight up right away, and, and we don't like to just dance around, as you said, round topics. We like to cut to the heart of it. Sorry, that was a long answer. Now, that, that actually was, uh, Father Stephen, I, I could listen to you all day long. I'm, I'm just, you, everything you're saying is speaking right to my heart. Maybe not the extremes at West Point, because I wasn't that tough. But oh, I, you don't I'm, know. You'd be surprised as to how tough you actually are, sir. But, but again, I won't put you... That could be a conversation <laughs> for another time. <laughs> Maybe so. But I think there's probably somebody listening, Father Stephen, who says, you know what? I'm experiencing atrophy. Like my, mm -hmm. my spiritual life is atrophied, my marriage, my, my family life, my business life. Like how do you, as a parish priest, a man who's got a, a lot of experience in the world, how would you say to that man today when he goes home, here's a way you can start to cleanse your temple so that you can make the space, create the space for God to kind of take his rightful place back in your home, back in your family, back in your marriage, and back in your business. Oh, that's easy. Go see a priest. Go find 
go find a priest and go to reconciliation. And if you don't have the nerve yet for that, for whatever reason, and please God, again, like, this is the thing. I talk in extremes. I, I'm always, I always talk harshly, I feel sometimes. But that's sometimes what people need for a wake-up call. But I can be a real lion at the pulpit, but I'm a bit of a lamb in the confessional. So please God, find a good priest. Again, I'm not saying I am, but find a priest who, who you trust, who you, you know, I, you know what, this guy seems like he's on the level. I can go talk to him. But if you're not even there yet, for whatever reason, and again, priest doesn't care, but if you're not there, ready to just go make your good confession. And that's really the first place where, where you start. If you're not there yet, you go into the church and you kneel down before that tabernacle. You want to be balanced? You find the tabernacle that Jesus Christ is in. And again, I love the fact that church architecture is moving back towards bringing the tabernacle back to the center of the church. For a while, there was that weird fad where he's off to the side or something. No, no, no. Jesus Christ is the center of your life. And so architecturally speaking, physically speaking, the church makes more liturgical and architectural sense when the tabernacle's in the center. Cool. Anyways, go find him. Go into that room. Just go kneel down somewhere where you can see him and he can see you. Now, he can see you at all times, but, but like there's that physicality, that presence that you need in your life because you're a human being. You're not just spirit. You're, you're, you're flesh and blood and spirit. And go look at him and he looks back at you and you pour out anything you need to say to him right then, right then, and you open up. Again, it, it's almost, again, I keep coming back to that physical element, but it, it's like in, in any sort of physical training, it helps if you have a partner. So many of us, I know, I speak for myself, are, we aren't self-starters, but if you've got a buddy who's with you that you can talk to and say, man, these are my struggles, and that guy can say, yeah, these are my struggles too, or, or man, that's rough, hang on, let's see what we can do for you. Again, preferably a Catholic, someone who shares your faith. Although there are plenty of, of good, good men out there who, you, who would, I'm sure, listen and recommend you head towards your, your spiritual fathers. You open up and you say, I'm weak. And the best way to treat atrophy isn't to just say, well, you grab that 300-pound bell and, and you lift it you know, five times. That's not going to happen. You're going to kill the guy. The, the way to do it is to say, to find someone who understands, yeah, you're hurt. Yeah, you're, you're weak. And say, all right. Here's what we're going to do. You know, maybe you have a really terrible infection. You know, pick a sin. And we're going to treat that right now. And then what we're going to do is you're going to start doing these little habits, these little exercises. You're going to lift these five-pound weights. You're going to try and do these little acts of charity. Let's say we're battling against greed because that's on my mind from the gospel. And, and, and you're going to do these things. And slowly but surely, you keep coming back and you keep checking in. That's why we recommend frequent confession, too. Again, once a month is not too often. In fact, if you're battling serious sin, whenever you fall into it, come back. And you're like, well, that's like once a week or maybe worse. Fine. You know, the, the priest isn't going to, the priest doesn't work for only, you know, nine to five. The priest is a spiritual father. He takes care of his spiritual children. If he doesn't, you call me via, and we'll have words. But we're out there specifically. The priest is created to take care of the people. That's all. And he pours himself out, or he should, for the sake of his children, as any man should. That's the starting point of shaking off your atrophy, is love. That's why you go before the tabernacle, is to experience the love and to be warmed by it. And if you can't even get into the church for whatever reason, if, you're that, if you've been that weakened, grab a rosary and choke out at least three Hail Marys, because your mom will take care of you. I promise you that. If you're that tore up, 
she'll go right to you, the Blessed Mother, and start squaring you away, and you will find miracles in your life. I promise you. If, if you want to, if you just open your hand just a little bit, if your heart's open just a crack, the good Lord says, I got you. He finds the good thief on the cross. He's in a bad place. And he pulls him out just with a little crack. He can do the same thing to you. No, Father, you're talking, I mean, Father Capon there for his men, you're, you're speaking a lot of, of good into this. And I think it's, it, for a lot of men, it is this extreme, like I'm going to go work out so hard, I'm sore and never work out again. Oh, no, and no, no. What but, you're yeah. calling men to is, is almost like death by a thousand cuts, like learning <laughs> the small habits and changing your life in little, little moments so that you can actually get life. So, Life by a thousand yeah, a virtues, but yeah. Amen. Yes, we, we changed it. I like that even better. We made it more positive. Father Stephen, there are a lot of men from Diocese of South Bend and from Diocese of Wichita, um, and I would love uh, for you to just, maybe if you have anything else to say to these men, because a lot of them have tuned in or in this battle with us, and they're going week to week, and the Dominicans are praying for them, and we're praying for them, but w- what are some Maybe any closing thought you'd have or a closing bit of advice for them as they've worked through Lent and are working into these battles? Yeah, praise God for Lent. And, and know this, that the devil likes to get us down because he says, I've won a thousand battles against you. You know, you're just trash. You know, what chance do you have against me? And Jesus Christ only needs one victory. That's all. And everything, the devil's empire just turns to dirt, just falls apart because it's all sand. And... And he says, oh, you know, I guess I'll have to start all over. And he's got the benefit of not having to sleep, but he's got the disadvantage of the fact that he's not God. (laughs) God is very frankly on your side. That he doesn't ask you, again, to quote uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, he doesn't ask you to be successful in this life. He asks you to be faithful. And that, you know, if you fall a thousand times, he'll pick you up a thousand and one. That's who our God is. He became man. He's already won the victory. The devil is an insurgent, and the devil fights by in hiding, in darkness, in ambush, and trying to convince you that he can inflict pain on you and it's not worth continuing the battle. But we are actually on the winning side already. We are the conventional force. We have so much strength, so much artillery, so much firepower in the sacraments. I mean, if, if the Eucharist was thought of as a spiritual weapon, it'd be something like a million atom bombs plus one. Uh, he doesn't stand a chance. But he's trying to trick you into thinking you can't win and that every failure is the end of it and you should just stop and quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Stay with Jesus Christ. If you're with him, you will find balance in your life. He will give you the little victories that build up around him and you will be centered on him. You will find structure. You will find order. And you, will, you won't recognize yourself in a year, in a good way, when you stay close to him in the sacraments. And you'll find out you'll be able to do all kinds of different things. But cut the extreme sins out of your life that tear you away from him. And hold on fast to him, to his cross. It'll hurt. But that's why the cross is the image, (laughs) the crucifix, is the image of our faith, brothers. Hold fast to that truth and know that the resurrection is only three days away from it. Amen, amen. Man, you're getting me me fired up, Father Stephen. Well, I'm going to tell you uh, that I'm going to pray for you, pray for your ministry, um, pray um, out of my family, especially pray for this early years of your priesthood, because you're, you're such a gift to the church in the United States. And I'm going to ask you, Father, if you will pray us out of the call. At the back end of your prayer, Scott will come in and close the call. I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you for your encouragement, for your honesty, 
for your transparency. Um, and then I just want to invite you to pray for those that have, have logged into the podcast um, and just a little bit of encouragement before we go to Scott. Of course. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Lenten day. I thank you for all the men who listen to this podcast and those who have put it together. I ask that some of these words serve you. May they all serve you. May they be for your greater glory. May they strengthen those who are in the fight. May they give encouragement to those who are flagging. May they firm up the resolve that is needed to live the Christian life. And may they all see the glory of Easter, both in this life and in the next. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Barbara, pray for us. We want to thank Father Stephen for joining us today, and especially for his encouragement and for challenging us to become better men. His reflection on Jesus cleansing the temple is a good reminder that we need to be honest with ourselves and we need to put our own lives in order. First of all, if we have mortal sin, it's got to go. This is a life and death battle, even if we don't see the consequences right away. And whatever we think we're getting from our sin isn't worth our eternal soul. Now, I know that it's a lot easier to say that our sin has to go than actually to get rid of it. But your words encourage us to make use of every resource we have to fight, even if it is something that causes us a little bit of discomfort or challenges us. And it's not just mortal sin. We ought to always be striving to keep on course and directed towards the Lord, and venial sins take us away from that mark. Two weeks ago, our challenge was to come up with a why, a reason why you are entering into this battle. The challenge this week is to think of that why, and then examine what in your life is keeping you from it. If you're trying to be a better father, what hinders you the most and pushes you off balance? If you're trying to grow closer to God, what things do you allow to overtake your time? If you're struggling with sin, what leads to that sin? Once you identify those things, take the leap and make the changes that you need to. You won't lose anything of what makes you authentically human, what makes you fully alive. Instead, you'll find the richness of a life lived in Christ. I also want to remind us that we ought to be praying the prayer to St. Michael daily in this battle. He's on our side. He'll fight for us to root out what doesn't belong and help us put Christ at the center of our lives. Next week, we'll be continuing this journey that we're going through with the battle for light. Father Stephen already alluded to the fact today that the devil is the insurgent, that he prefers to fight in the darkness. Father John Lanzareth, our chaplain here at Capon's Men, will be joining us next week to lead us to embrace our vocation to walk as sons of the day and of the light. Let's fight so as to win, and as Father Stephen reminded us, never lose heart, because the devil's only way of winning is if we give up ourselves. So until next time, hold fast to Christ, hold fast to the cross, and know that the resurrection is only a little ways away. Thanks for joining us in the Foxhole. As we go, we're blessed to leave you with these words of Father Capon himself. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen. Amen.